Do you have what it takes to become a brain surgeon? How about getting a PhD during your residency? Today on Talking Admissions and Medical Student Life with Dr. Randy Jensen. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. Well, welcome to another edition of Talking Admissions and Med Student Life. Uh, I have a special guest today. I'm here with uh, Dr. Randy Jensen. Um, I'll let uh, Dr. Jensen kind of go ahead and introduce himself. Thanks, Dr. Chan. Uh, my name is Randy Jensen. I'm the residency program director for the Department of Neurosurgery. Uh, I just started that job actually uh, earlier this summer. I've been the associate uh, residency program director over past six or seven years, and I've been involved with our residency program uh, for the last uh, 16 years that I've been here at the University of Utah. Mm-hmm. Fantastic, Dr. Jensen. And so let's kind of start in the beginning. Like, as I understand it, you graduated from this medical school? I did. I My wife and I actually were classmates together. We had uh, had met in college and got married a month before we started medical school, and we were the married couple throughout our, our uh a medical school class. My wife went into pathology and I did neurosurgery and it's been a great thing for us. Fantastic. So to start off, uh, Dr. Jensen, what made you choose neurosurgery? What attracted you to the field? Well, I, I, for some reason I got in my mind when I was like 13 or so that I wanted to be a neurosurgeon. My, uh, my grandmother had had an accident and had to have a subdural hematoma drained. And I started telling people I wanted to be a neurosurgeon and I kind of stuck. And then I got into medical school, and my wife comes from a family of urologists, and they could not believe that I'd even think about neurosurgery. So I, I did my rotations. I, I worked in ENT and had a, a research mentor and advisor. I loved ENT, and I rotated through urology and general surgery and internal medicine. And I liked everything I did, but when I did neurosurgery, I came in for the rotation and left uh, two weeks later. Mm-hmm. I don't think I went home a single time. I had so much fun. And then I did it again as a fourth-year student, and that time I know I didn't go home for a month because uh, my wife finally had to call up and find out where I was at, and I knew that's what I really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And then uh, did you? I, I think you did your training in Chicago? I did. Okay. I, I, I did my residency at Loyola and ended up uh, working on a Ph.D. and finishing that as well while I was there. And then uh, uh, we, we came back to Utah mm-hmm. uh, about 16 years ago. Yeah. What attracted you to come back to Utah? Well, the, the Huntsman Cancer Institute was just uh, – hadn't been built yet, but it was uh, uh, all planned. And uh, I was invited back to, to come and cover the VA, and they said I could have a little lab up at Huntsman. And I had no idea what that meant until, until I came here and started talking to people. And I could see what a, an unbelievable opportunity it was going to be, and uh, it was hard to turn it down. Okay, fantastic. I'm glad we got you back. We're very excited. Great being back. Yeah. So now you're in charge of the whole residency program. Yeah. 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 So um, tell me more about the program. How many years is it, and okay. like, what kind of uh, where do residents rotate at? We have a great residency program, but we're able to really attract some so unbelievable residents. We have it's a seven year program, uh, and it's completely integrated now. Uh, even the first year is part of neurosurgery, although we do rotations at other other uh, on other services uh the the residency is predominantly uh, at the university of utah but we also uh have uh, everybody spend at least a year over at primary children's and uh most people are spending almost a year at imc doing elective rotations mm-hmm. and how many residents are in the program there are 14 residents in the program uh, we also have some fellowships in skull-based surgery, pediatric neurosurgery, and spinal uh, surgery. Uh, but they 
they're they're more advanced and they're mm-hmm. not really uh, mixed into the residency program as much. Okay, so two a year, two mm-hmm. residency a year. Okay. That's right. And how many how many med school applicants do you interview to get those two? Two you, spots. You yeah. know, your, your timing's perfect because I just finished this process. That there was there was 167 uh, applicants that I reviewed uh, with a with a committee of people. We gave them all scores and we got that down to 40. And we're going to interview 40 people. We're going to do 10 people on four different days okay. uh, in December and uh, November, and then we're going to pick two. Mm-hmm. And was the wasn't the was the interview day look like uh, for your program? Well, we try to make the interview day. To be honest, we, we're more concerned about selling our program uh, in a lot of ways than we are picking because most people that have made the cut uh, to, to that 40 people, we think that most of them we could teach to be neurosurgeons. Mm-hmm. They're very, most, most of those people are very motivated, very smart. Um, we have a lot of confidence in those people. So what we're trying to do is sell them. So mm-hmm. we do it as a – our interview day is, is – is, a, a, one of our educational days. So they, they come in early in the morning. Well, actually, they come the night before and we take them to dinner. Excellent. Where do you take them? <laughs> Wherever they your, want to go. Your house? Actually, actually the, residents, <laughs> the residents take them out okay. so, so that they can talk to our residents without having us around. All right. So it's not at your house. No, it's not <laughs> at my house. And we, we feel like it's really important for the residents to have alone time with our residents to okay. hear what it's like. Mm-hmm. And we learn a lot about people. Um, by their interaction with our residents and we find out if they fit in and if they're going to be a good part of our group. Then the next day they come to conference and they, they see how we run our conferences. Um, this is a morning conference? Morning conference. Okay. And uh, there's a couple of educational conferences they'll go to and then they'll come over and they'll interview and uh, they'll spend almost uh, half the day, maybe a little bit more than half the day interviewing with uh, most of the faculty and most of the residents. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the, the residents and faculty that they don't get to meet during the interview process, they meet in the afternoon as we give them tours of our laboratories, tours of our, our uh, skill uh, labs and other uh, department-related uh, uh Areas we take them through the hospital so they knew, know what the system is like, and I think by the time a person leaves, they've met everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, how does a medical student stand out? What kind of qualities do you look for in someone who's applying to your program? Well, you know, there's a lot of things. Um, most people need some research experience, okay. and that doesn't have to be in neurosurgery. Some of the best have been people who have have done outside things, but we want to see somebody who's done some independent research, has has thought about a problem and formulated a, a research design and maybe performed some research, although it doesn't doesn't have to necessarily be a, a completed published project, but but the process we're we're very interested in. Uh, there isn't an absolute number for board scores, although I have to say I'm, each year I can't believe some of the scores that come through and the applicants. I'm, I, I hope I, I'm, I'm just thankful I don't have to take that test mm-hmm. myself because there, there really are a lot of people with high scores. But the score by itself doesn't mean anything. But we, we want people who have a reasonable score because there are other tests that are going to have to take as part of the neurosurgery residency that, that we – we, we, we feel like uh, that's some indicator that they'll be able to do that. We want to see somebody who's done well in, 
in medical school and and uh, were interested in where they've done rotations on neurosurgery and what kind of letters that have been written about them from their mentors and from places that they've done mm-hmm. uh, outside rotations. Excellent. Do you recommend uh, for students outside the University of Utah to come do a visiting rotation here? And if I, so, I do. What uh, is there just a standard neurosurgery elective, or how does that work? There's a standard neurosurgery elective uh, that really is. is I think that is something that's quite enjoyable. It's basically an, an operative experience. They they come. We have four people here this month, and uh, and and they're busy all the time. There's there's at least four rooms running every day, uh, and they basically will go and spend a day with one of the attendings and a couple of the residents, and we'll just do a variety of cases. Uh, I think it only helps people's uh, chances because sometimes there'll be somebody whose scores aren't maybe all that great or, or the things in their application that aren't that outstanding. But when we meet them in person and realize what a quality person they are, uh, I think it only can help you. Mm-hmm. It sounds like, you know, it sounds like um, your program does a holistic review. Scores are important, but they also don't tell the full picture because you're talking about research and like sounds like intercommunication skills and things like that. So. Yes. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I think that this – we have seven years to train somebody to be a neurosurgeon. And I, I wholeheartedly think that we can train any person with reasonable intelligence who has a desire and who's honest and willing to put in the work to do that. So I think we're just more interested in finding somebody who's a good quality person who fits into our program. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And how have the work hour changes? How does that impact the residency program? Well, I think the work hour changes in neurosurgery have been very helpful. Um, there, there was a lot of uh, – Back in in prior times and when I was a resident, we spent a lot of time doing things that weren't necessarily the most productive uh, for educational value. And I think that's helped us streamline um, that to some extent. There are some difficulties uh, still because some of the cases run a long time. They they go late into the night and we've had to make some adjustments. But you know, we really don't have problems with our work hours anymore. We've learned how to structure our program, mm-hmm. and it's rare for me to ever get any – hear any problem about that. Matter of fact, I, the only problem I ever hear is our residents don't really want to go home if there's a good case. They get excited about it. And they're having too much fun. They're having too much fun, and sometimes I have to kind of be like a den mother and <laughs> and – Say no. <laughs> There'll be other them. days. You got seven years to do this. We'll fight that case. Will come up many other times. Yeah. And, and uh, so, yeah, the, the work hours I think have been a, an overall positive thing for neurosurgery. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, and because I, I remember going through med school, I remember like neurosurgery. That was the longest uh, time in the OR I've ever spent. What's what's an average length of time? And then, like, what's your record, Doctor Jensen? What's the long, longest you actually been in the OR? Well, operating on a case. Yeah, you yeah. know. So I I really have a very specific. Pro, uh, my 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 uh, practice is all brain tumors, so I can almost set the clock. It takes about six hours to do a brain tumor most of the time, so that's my average operation from start to finish. But there's a lot of, you know, that, a lot of that's, you know, preparation and setup and positioning and opening and and then closing. That that probably accounts for three of those hours. So uh, that's not all operative time. Um, I have been involved in operations that have gone more than a day, uh, 24 hours, where wow. I've been with teams of ENT and plastic surgery, and we've kind of all been working at the same time and people going in and out. Uh, and some of my partners that do skull-based surgery, they do a lot of those type of things. Uh, the spine surgeons, uh, some of those big spine operations, they can really go a long time as well. Uh, and then when we have nice little cases like carpal tunnels, uh, 
a half hour, 45 minute case. Very nice. And, uh, <laughs> like drive throughs. Yeah, yeah drive through yeah. and, and, and a very fulfilling, fun kind of thing to do. So okay. there's a wide variety of mm-hmm. cases. And when I told people I did a neurosurgery rotation back in the day, people always asked me about conscious sedation versus unconscious. Can you help, like put this rumor to like? So are the vast majority of uh, operations of the patients under, or are they awake? Well, it depends on the. It depends on your practice. Now, okay. my my favorite way to do it is with somebody awake. Okay. And so I do uh, quite a few operations with the patient awake. But the the anesthesia is so good now that. That basically they're asleep for all the scary parts. They just get lightened up during the parts where we stimulate the brain and get a good sense of where their function is so that we can avoid hurting them. And then they go back to sleep. So even though it sounds like they're awake, most of the time they're asleep for most of their operation. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. And then um, are there a lot of – I get the sense there's a lot of research opportunities during the residency as well. There's great research opportunities. As a matter of fact, we give a, a protected uh, block of time of at least one year. Some people have want, needed more, wanted to do uh, – advanced degrees or or other things and we've been able to accommodate that as well uh especially if uh, somebody has a project that we can uh, uh get some funding for sometimes we'll even let them do two years uh but there there's usually a year block uh you know with very little clinical responsibility maybe taking a day or two of call a month and during that time and and having no other clinical responsibilities we have excellent labs in, within our department. We also have been uh, have great collaborations with people all over the campus, and and have let our residents work with whoever had the expertise to do the particular problem they wanted to solve. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And then you mentioned some fellowships. What are the different fellowships available if you do a residency in neurosurgery, and how long are those? So most fellowships are a year, and the most popular one at the University of Utah is our pediatric. Um, our pediatric uh, fellowship is probably. It's either the most uh, popular or or within the top three most popular because of Primary Children's Hospital. The volume of neurosurgery that's done, we have four pediatric neurosurgeons here. And so our fellowship is very sought after. Matter of fact, our residents uh, leave uh, their training with more pediatric training than anywhere else in the country. So even those that don't do a fellowship have a a very, very good knowledge of pediatric neurosurgery. But uh, the fellowship is very sought after and very highly uh, thought of. Uh, Our spine fellowship uh, is also uh, a joint fellowship with orthopedic surgery. So they the the fellows come out with a really broad understanding of spinal surgery. And our skull base uh, fellowship. It works with our chairman, Dr. Uh, William Caldwell, a world-class uh, skull-based surgeon, some, somebody who's the president of the American Association of Neurological Surgeons this year, and you know, just a very well-known neurosurgeon. So that's another very sought-after fellowship uh, with a very high uh, level of, of, of really tough cases that he does, and uh, uh, the fellows seem to really like that fellowship. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And what's a typical day like for a neurosurgeon who's, you know, all done through residency? I mean, how much time are you actually in the OR versus clinic? You know, it's it's interesting because um, I've seen people do all sorts of different things. I, I get asked this by medical students all the time. Uh, I think they have the impression that it, once you finish, then you have to work 100 hours a week and, and have to operate every day. And uh, I've seen people who uh, uh, who do that. I have, excuse me, I have great friends who are in private practice and they work they do as many cases as they want to and they they really work very hard and they they make a very good living and and they really enjoy what they're doing 
Um, there are others that uh, that I know who don't really feel like they need that, and they work part time or assist other neurosurgeons. Uh, they're academic uh, neurosurgeons. Uh, uh, like myself, who maybe have other responsibilities like laboratory work or or academic work, uh, residency program type educational you know projects. So it really varies. I, I, one of the things that drew me to neurosurgery is that I really think a person once they're finished with their training, they can decide what they want to do and they can tailor that to fit their lifestyle. Okay, excellent. And then the last last thing I want to kind of wrap up with, Dr. Jensen, you mentioned you got in a PhD during residency. Yes, that's incredible. That's incredible. That's impressive. Well, how, how did you pull? How did you pull that off? I mean, what, how long did that take? Or was this kind of combined with your residency? It was program? kind of combined with my okay. residency. It was a project I started, and it just went so well that everybody kept saying, "Well, you ought to do a little bit more." The next thing I knew, we had we had enough for a for a nice thesis, and um, it was really a it was really an enjoyable thing. I learned a lot from the process. Um, I don't know that that necessary. I don't think a person needs a PhD. I think there's wonderful examples of people who have done postdoc, postdocs after medical school who are who are much better researchers than I am. But that just worked out for me, and it was a, it was a great process. Yeah, well, that's that's amazing, fantastic. Well, uh, Dr. Jensen, thank you for coming down. Um, I hope you get some great applicants this year. No, thank you very much, and I hope anybody that's interested in neurosurgery will. Come and visit our website and, and maybe even think about coming here and doing a uh, rotation. Do you know what the website is off the top of head? You can give a plug. Well, it's it's if you just search uh, Utah Neurosurgery Residency, it mm-hmm. comes right up. And there's a video that talks about the lifestyle in Utah, about what a great program we have. And, and the, the, the faculty is all there and all of our residents are mm-hmm. there. And you can see where they've come from around the country. And and uh, it's just a lot of fun. It, I think it's worth a look. Yeah. Well, and then you get to see a picture of yourself, correct? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that part may not be so good. <laughs> well, thank you, Dr. Jetson. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with Dr. Benjamin Chan, the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school. A production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio, online at thescoperadio.com.